0: Welcome to the podcast channel of the East Bay Unity Intergroup of Overeaters Anonymous. The opinions expressed here are those of individual members and do not represent OA as a whole. For more information about our intergroup, please visit our website at eastbayoa.org. Hi, everybody. I'm Lou. I'm a compulsive overeater. Um, And uh, I just want to... Say thank you to everybody for just uh, 12-stepping me and for showing up. And I need these meetings more than more than I care to admit. Um, you know, I still suffer from this. Uh, I wouldn't call it peculiar, but this idea—it's it, it, it sounds—it looks like self-sufficiency, but it's really pride and fear in reverse. In this way of. Um, having a hard time asking for help. I had a friend, I've been in another program. It'll be 32 years in, um, and I'm grateful for that program. I qualify for a lot of programs, but uh, in June, it'll be 32 years in that program. And that really get, has given me a solid foundation in the, in the 12 steps of uh, the other program. But I had a friend that I've known for years who used to say to me, Lou, I'm gonna tattoo a sign on your head that says, please ask me for help. Uh, because I have a hard time asking for help, and even if I say no, please help me. Uh, and that that continues to be you know something that I'm working with. My story, I, I, as I sit in the rooms and listen to people, I uh, I realize that I really am another bozo on the bus, so to speak, or just a another fellow traveler on a very adventurous journey of life. Um, but food has always been a part of my story. I'll talk a little bit about that, but I'll talk about what's been actually quite an amazing shift. Uh, And I I think of it as a spiritual awakening, but um, you know, food was, um, it's just always been my go-to. It's been the ease and comfort thing. And and I never used to think of it as ease and comfort. And uh, growing up, I think when I was nine, I realized I was fat. My grandmother took me shopping and decided she, I needed a panty girdle. um, And, i remember her sort of tapping me on my on my stomach my tummy going wow you're getting so fat i gotta get all these clothes for you and um that was probably one of the first times that i really had this deep deep shame about my being Uh, and you know i grew up with a grandmother who was a, a strict very strict like military type disciplinarian and also who was from a whole you know two generations behind and so kids were to be seen and not heard. uh, And there was really very little, the way I like to describe it is like, you know, you should be able to speak five languages by the time you're three and you should be fully potty trained and driving a car uh, by the time you're like two, Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. Um, And so really how that translates is really never having any room or sense of uh, sense of myself. uh, And that's a whole nother program, but um, any real idea that I was a separate being as well as uh, managing a whole lot of anxiety. I don't think, you know, my experience when I think about children, I think in this way that uh, for whatever reason, you know, there's a lot of trauma. Let me just say that there's a lot of trauma and the trauma, it took me a long time. I, I used to think of trauma as being more violence kind of related But trauma of neglect can actually be even worse, I think, when you just don't have any reflection of who you are. Uh, And there were a lot of structure, a lot of boundaries, a lot of rigid boundaries, a lot of shifting structure. One day, one thing might be okay, The next day, that was the wrong thing to do. So I was constantly, as a child, sort of walking on edge and constantly uh, self-reflecting about, I must have made a mistake. She's mad or whatever. And my grandmother used food as a reward, uh, never as a punishment, but always as a reward. And I think she was an anxious person. And I picked that style up of being that everything was something to be worried about. I'm kind of like the MacGyver person. I'm the person you want on a trip because Mm -hmm. you know if there's a volcano, I'm going to be prepared, Um, which what I'm really speaking to is this need to control and manage and perfectionism and things being perfect, and making sure everything lines up, and who's doing what, and that's a lot of a lot of work running the world, you know, like that, but, um, you know, when I was 14, I probably was one of the biggest kids, and when I was 10 years old, and uh, then at about 14, when I went away to high school, I started having a sense of, because um, kids can be cruel, but like, wow, I'm fat, and these people don't like fat. Kids and so I, my grandmother put me on a diet that involved using amphetamines. I, I didn't know they were amphetamines at the time, but um, and that started that thing of you know losing weight to get attention, losing weight to fit in, and weight also has been a def- it's been one of my strategies to defend as well, defend attention, uh, a way of hiding. I, I find it today kind of interesting that it's been a, a tool I use to sort of stay in the background. Uh, so that people wouldn't notice me, because in fact people do notice or have noticed or make comments. But um, when I went away to college, you know, I, I just food has always been there. I found drugs and alcohol. That's a part of my story, uh, and that seemed to be an effective solution to to my food problem. You know, for for many many years that seemed to work until that didn't work, and then I I got sober and food reemerged on the scene. And for a long time in the other program, I was just kind you know, there's also stories in that, in the big book that talk about, uh, or in other readings talk about, uh, you know, if you feel really upset, eat something. And that's just not what you tell a compulsive overeater like me. Um, but I had permission like, ah, go and eat something. So once I got sober, I got sober when I was 26, I'm going to be 59 this year. And, um, you know, I started eating. I started eating because I was anxious. I was just anxious and scared. And those are, you know, Big Book talks about fear being an evil and corroding threat. Well, I had a lot of fear then. I still work with a lot of fear and I had a lot of anxiety. It wasn't until my mid-40s that uh, I kind of got tired. I remember going to my last Weight Watchers meeting where I'd been so many times, I I started going to Weight Watchers all around San Francisco because I didn't want people to recognize me because I would go and then stop going. And then like, it's kind of like going to a bar, you know, I don't want them to know I'm eating too much, drinking too much, or I'm right back where I started. Um, And the last time I tried going to uh, Weight Watchers, I ended up going to Stonestown meeting and I walked in and I just had this thought, it was like, this isn't going to work. This just isn't going to work. And I really was deflated and defeated at that point. Um, And I was mad. I was mad because it's like, look, I'm not drinking. I don't do drugs. uh, I pay my taxes. I'm trying to be responsible. All the, you know, being perfect here, I'm doing it all right. And now I'm stuck with this problem. If only I could solve it, life would be wonderful and I would be so happy. Uh, La, la, la. And what really ended up happening was, you know, for a long time, I looked for a lot of human solutions. You know, I'm going to go to Jenny Craig and I'm going to, I've I've been a very competitive athlete all my life and I do competitive jujitsu and it's a weight-based kind of sport. And so, you know, as long as I was doing jujitsu, I could stay, I could stay within a certain weight. Um, You know, I'm going to do keto, um, whatever, you know, it's just, I'm going to try all these human solutions. And what started happening is what actually what started happening is I started waking up to the human solutions weren't working. They weren't working. They hadn't really worked. And it had been me and a lot of willpower. I got introduced. I've been around food programs for many, many years, um, but I got introduced to a food program um, that's a bit like Uh, Gray sheet kind of program, but it's very rigid. And because I grew up, I gravitated to that because I grew up in a family where, you know, if you colored outside of the line, that was like, "Ah, going to prison, that's it, you're fired. Um, And I thought that that's what I needed. You know, I needed somebody to just tap, tap, tap. You got to do it this way. You got to do it this way. And all that really did is make me lie a lot about what I was eating, what I wasn't eating. Uh, I lost a lot of weight. And, you know, for when the focus is on weight, and this has been the spiritual awakening piece. Uh, as, when the focus is just on the number, it's really kind of, a, it's like, it's like accomplishing another goal. Ah, got there. What's next? what's next? What's next? What's next? What's next? And that's kind of how I, I was. I mean, you, there's only so much weight a person can lose before you put your life in, in, in danger and, you know, putting your life on the line. And um, You know, I was always like, if I could just lose five more pounds, you know, I only weigh this, but if I lost five more pounds, then I could, and, and again, I'm talking about the crazy obsessive compulsive thinking, then my plan was then I could start eating again. Next- thanks. I could start eating again and I would be under control at this point. And obviously that didn't work. I left that program. I I just gravitated away from it and started slowly reconnecting with OA. And um, I have to say in this era of COVID, I'm a nurse nurse practitioner. Um, I do have to go to work, but in the era of COVID, I've actually been going to way more meetings than I was going to before COVID. And that's just been a blessing. I never would have thought that that would have happened. Um, I also realize I have the same amount of time every day that I have every day. And it's a matter of trying to make the best use of the time without there being a lot of rigid. You know, you, it's like uh, having, a set of, having kids where it's like they got ballet at this time, this, 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 this. Um, and realizing that a part of my part of my abstinence, part of my recovery has been about really just letting life unfold without trying to control other people, trying to control, I I can no more control my eating disorder and my compulsive thinking, you know, than I can control the color of my skin. And that's really been an awakening to me of like, this is not in my purview. I don't, I'm not God. I cannot control that. What it can do is work a program, uh, that has some bumpers on it and has some ability for me to move around in that program without it being rigid. Rigidity for me is the other side of dieting. It it, it just never works. It's an invitation for me to eat 18 donuts or something like that. Um, but what started happening for me is, uh, I knew I couldn't go back to the other program because it just didn't resonate for me. And um, it really tapped into the sense of being a bad person, you know, the real essence of me being bad. And that's a big part of my disease. Uh, And also this recognition of reciprocity in this, like I I call it the cycle of violence really with food, uh, where food seems to be the ease and comfort and the solution. Uh, and the programming, and I'll use that word programming that got implanted in my head is like, okay, yeah, that's going to help you. And then 10 minutes later, what happens is no, that doesn't help. But I now have to go to bed. I now have to get up in the morning. I'm now in the compulsion. I'm now in the compulsion about body size. I'm in the compulsion about how do I look good, look good figuratively and literally with folks and, and, and still be eating you know it's like like is there a way that i can always trying to outsmart the disease i don't think the I, i've learned that that's that's impossible the easier softer way is on page 417 of the aa big book which is acceptance but um what's happened for me i finally got a new sponsor and the sponsor i have you know i have parental issues with just about everybody if you say something to me, you know, if it's like, hey, I was just thinking about it. I don't know, it might work for you. I'm all over it. But if you say you should, or I think it's better, forget it. I'm not doing it. Um, and I have a sponsor who I just happened to meet at a meeting, and I liked what she said. And what's really started to shift for me is, um you know, I want you guys to tell me what to eat. She doesn't do that. I want somebody to say, you know, you, you can't you can't eat an extra grain of salt on that. Uh, If you do, you're going to food hell. She doesn't say that. She just says, you know, Lou, you know, keep working the steps. And and she told me not too long ago, she thought that I should include in my plan of of eating as well as my plan of abstinence, a no cruelty policy, like no cruelty whatsoever. Uh, And it had never occurred to me that talking to myself with... uh, in that way, it's a, it's a kind of conversation. I don't know if you guys recognize it, but I am beginning to see it more. It's always, it's, it's just talking all the time and it's always negative. And you did something wrong. Hey, you, you, you took seven breaths too many in that minute. You got to give some back or, you know, you're a bad person. Um, that's really how my, my thinking works. And, um, to actually approach compulsive eating and my what goes on for me from the vantage point of, I'm doing the best I can. I am working the third step as best I can because I'm willing to take a look. I'm willing to do something different and that it's progress, not perfection. I'm going to have those days, you know, where I'm not going to uh, be able to like tick off every box. Here's the other thing. I've come to this place of like It's not necessary to tick off every box. There's a couple that are essential for me to have a good day. Last thing I want to leave with, I heard on this meeting, this meeting, about three days in. Thank you. About three days in a row, I heard something. You know, I weigh and measure my food, and I learned that in the other program. And you know, what I like about uh, OA is that you know, that plan of eating is that's my plan of eating for what I need to do that I've negotiated with my god and with my sponsor and talked it through um and it's really you know keep my eyes on my own plate or have some business you know mind my own business and have some business to mind and what i heard was uh you know i i it's like that gives me peace uh and sometimes it's a little over this amount or it's a little bit over that but you know it gives me peace because it gives me some structure with which to like okay this is, this is what works for me. It's like going to bed at a certain time. If I go to bed too late, I'm going to wake up pretty cranky. Um, so that's one thing that's really been very important to me is that my real goal has shifted from wanting to be skinny, the I want the skinny plan of eating, to I really want peace and peace of mind. Um, and I want to be of service. And sometimes when I hear myself say that, I'm like, what Kool-Aid did you drink, you know? And then the other part of me is like, I'm 58, soon to be 59. I don't um, have a lot of time anymore. I'm very aware of that. I don't want to spend it uh, fighting with me about me and about my worth, you know, and that, you know, this is a lifetime process for me. I I understand that, but to come to a place of um, that, my being and who I am, when I Even before I was conceived, and I do think of it like this you know, that I'm a divine being and that I'm worthy, and there's nothing that I have to prove, and and there's nothing that makes me less than any of you, and that it's very important for me to recognize the behavior as a separate entity from the divine being that I am, and that I, when I was conceived, and even before I came to know any sort of consciousness in that way. I'm I'm having a love affair with OA at this point only because, you know, it it feels like the easier, softer way. uh, And it's something I feel like I can live with, uh, you know, one day at a time, minute at a time, hour at a time. I'm really grateful for the folks and the support and uh, just want to say thank you for letting me do service. Really appreciate it. Thanks.